welcome back, everybody, to the Blazer Victory Podcast. John Duncan here, and I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, Darian Smith. And Darian, you know, I saw where, uh, I think it was Blazer Nation on Twitter said, you know, the sun did come out, a uh, new day. Mm-hmm. Maybe, he's, maybe he's got another ball game this Saturday with a, with a really good UTSA Roadrunner team coming into town. Right. Um, I mean, it's all about respect at this point. Yes. You know, we got... We got some talented, we got real talented players on our team, you know. Um, so this, this is when you really find out what's inside of you, like what, what's your motivating factors. Because, uh, you know, at this point, honestly, coaches' words can kind of just be words at this point. Because, I mean, if we're being honest, if they're looking at the situation, they probably know they, that he's probably not going to be here next year. He right. probably knows that, you know what I'm saying, just based off how everything played out. Um, so, I mean, words can just be words, but you, this is what we really find out what's inside of you. This is when you find out as a player was really, how do I know? Because I've been on losing teams at UAB, right. you know. Uh, but I always felt like I was the best center, not just in the conference. I would say I was the best center in the nation because that's how I felt. Mm-hmm. And nobody could tell me different. Every time I turned on film, I felt like I did my thing, no matter what the score was, who were who we were playing. I felt like I was going to dominate my matchup. And that's how you bring a good team. That's, that's what a good team should consist of, a, a whole bunch of guys individually taking pride in their job. Right. You know, so um, I really look forward to seeing these guys take pride in what they do and just proclaiming, and, hey, I feel like I'm the best in the nation at what I do. Um, I don't care who plays at Alabama. I don't care who plays at Georgia or Ohio State. I'm, I'm him, you know, so. And um, I'm just that's that's what I'm really curious to see, John. Yeah, me too. Me too. There's there's no doubt. Like, what what is this team gonna do going forward? And that that all starts Saturday. Hey, Conference USA Championship. That's not gonna happen this year. Is this team gonna lay down and just say forget the rest of the season? Or are they gonna fight for not only themselves, like you just mentioned, but they're gonna fight for this program starting this Saturday to you know try to get to a bowl game and still have somewhat of a decent season. It's not gonna be a good or a great season, but they can still have a somewhat decent season. Um, so, yeah, I think we're going to find out a lot about this team, you know, come this Saturday with a really talented UTSA team coming into town. Um, I certainly hope, you know, Darian and I, um, hopefully, you know, we'll be there at Protective Stadium Saturday afternoon. We definitely hope that Blazer Nation shows up. You know, we we really do need a good crowd for this for this team, for this program, for these kids. You know, they they, they put a lot on the line for this program. Um, you know, some of the some of these players on the team, this is going to be their next to last time, you know, playing at home in front of a UAB home crowd. So definitely hope folks can make it out to Protective Stadium this Saturday at 2.30 as UTSA takes on uh, UAB Blazers. Um, but in a few minutes, we're going to roll our interview that we had with uh, Jared Kalmas and Adrian Bermudez um, from the Alamo Dome Audible. Those guys do a fantastic job covering the UTSA Roadrunner program. Definitely go check them out. Um, they should have their preview up right around this time um, that our preview is up. But if not, definitely by midweek. So definitely go give their uh, UTSA UAB preview a listen. But, Darian, this is going to be a battle 
between these two teams. Um, if, if you know, if UAB shows up ready to play, which so far this season at home hasn't been an issue. Now on the road, it's another thing. But, you know, so far at home, UAB has played fairly well at home. So I hopefully can expect a tight contest and maybe UAB has a chance of pulling off the upset Saturday. Yeah, this isn't like, you know, um, and this isn't like we're like Hawaii, a program that's in disarray or something that, you know, you can kind of beat down. Right. We've lost those games, but we've, for what is worth, I hate to go back to it, but the point margin, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. we barely lost those games. And that was all on the road. You know, granted, to this point, UTSA probably is the, the best team that we'll, you know, we'll be facing. Right. The thing is, the reason that we lost those games on the road is because of things that we did. You know, you saw when it all clicked together and we did what we were supposed to do. Of course, it was at home, but we we took it to middle Tennessee, you know. Yeah. Um, so and we we beat some good teams at home. So we're a good team. Then the second thing is, is we all have Dylan. Dylan should be back, you know, out of concussion protocol. Yeah, he should be. And one thing, one big thing about that was Dylan was really turning the corner. I hated, I hated the time that Dylan got hurt. Mm, terrible timing. Right. I think if Dylan stays in that game against Western Kentucky, I think we win that game because of, I he you could just feel it. Me like, too. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, you could feel it coming that he was. He was becoming that guy, and um, he he got hurt, and we lost these two games because we didn't have him. Um, so us being at home and us having that version of Dylan, that Dylan that that was running the ball, throwing it deep, throwing it, throwing the ball away, he just was making wise decisions. He wasn't he wasn't scared. He was making wise read wise reads, and he was pulling the ball, showing the wheels. You know, I was calling them. Uh, <laughs> Demar Hopkins. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Like, uh, the guy was just really for a team that was so Debo centric. It it was really dealing that in his decision making and what he was doing that was uh the real catalyst for those wins. So, um, it's just the the us being at home and us having Dylan, and I think I think the players will be up to play UTSA. You know, and um, I think they're going to take this personally. So I honestly wouldn't be shocked if we won. I, I, I'll, I'll be far from being shocked. Um, you know, I I think it's more closer than a toss-up than what people think it is. That's just my opinion. No, I I agree. I mean, and I think Vegas put some respect on it, too, with the you know the line opening up as a straight pick em. Um I think it's slowly starting to creep. Um I think UTSA might be a one-point favorite right now, but, I mean, it might flip-flop. But I definitely think that other people are feeling the same way. Now, in retrospect, though, if this game was at UTSA, (laughs) story, (laughs) but it's at home. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, as you've alluded to, UAB has played well at home this year. And this is certainly going to be by far the best team that UAB will play play or have played and will play at home um you know at least in protective stadium this year now hey north texas the next week's gonna be tough too but i think this utsa team is you know really the best team in conference usa right now and i don't see how anybody can argue otherwise 
Right. Yeah, it's the best team. Like you know, they have the best quarterback and they have the best weapons. Right. You know, and they and they have um the the best coach. You know, it's a guy that kind of just turned turned the program around and just invigorated that culture. You know, so that's what that's what that formula that's what that formula will get you. Especially if you get a good coach and a good quarterback, you already ahead and see USA just with that. Exactly. Oh, you know, so but one thing I really wanted to challenge, you know, you was uh you implored, you know, the Blazer Nation team, you know, the the family to show up. Right. So one thing I'm looking at is like, yeah, I, I agree with that because we preach about this word family. Well, I mean, you gotta you gotta walk it if you talk it. Um, I feel like that because in the family, you always have up and ups and downs. It's always like the crazy cousin or the the black sheep <laughs> brother, you know, that's always uh going off the rails and it's kinda hard sometimes, but you pull through as a family, you know, you, you talk and you 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 always show up for your family members, you know. Um I look forward to the players really playing for the seniors and playing for each other because you love each other, right? Right. That's it. You call them your brother. Even those people on the uh, those guys on the coaching staff, no matter how it plays out X and O's wise, you love those guys. Like like I said, when I played, you know, here at UAB, I love Coach Callaway. I love the Hiltons, Coach Mallory and Coach Friend. Oh, I remember when Coach Friend, <laughs> he um, going from my junior year going to my senior year, he took the offensive line job at Georgia. But that was probably one of the emotional meetings, most emotional meetings I ever been a part of because he he really loved us as as his offensive line. You know, mm-hmm. he he was he was a wreck. You know, just making that move, and you would think that it was so easy just going from, of course, UAB to Georgia. Who wouldn't do that? But it was tough on him because those that family words should mean something. Right. You know, so and I think that goes for us as a, a fan base. Like we always preach it. Let's actually walk it. Let's actually show up and ex- let's actually cheer this team on no matter what we're going through. Let's cheer this team on. That's what I loved about when I played. I could see those familiar faces that I can lean on no matter what. Right. They would always be there. So let's let's be there for this team, you know, and they still have a lot to play for. So let's let's be there to cheer him on. No doubt. Well, you know, we're we're not going to go into previewing all the players like Frank Harris, DeCorian Clark, all these guys. You know, I, I feel like um, Jared and Adrian do a great job in our interview, just kind of going over everybody. Um, so oh, I'll yeah. s- save that, you know, for the listeners in the interview. But Darian, let's just go ahead and give our predictions about what we think is going to happen this Saturday. Um, you want me to go first? Yeah, because I'm I'm not sure yet. I, I'm really okay. not sure. Okay. Um. So I do think this is going to be a tight ball game. Um. I, you know, heading in, I was like, after 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 the loss in Boca, I was thinking, I said, I just uh, UTSA is going to come in and destroy UAB. But you know, I got to thinking, and I was like, hey, UAB plays well at home and has played well at home. This team is going to be up for this UTSA game because they know how talented UTSA is. So I, I, it's not going to be a, you know, worry about playing down to your competition. You're going to have to play up, you know, to a team as talented as UTSA. That is the benchmark to what, you know, kind of what UAB wants to get back to. 
um, being at the top of the Conference USA chain. But I do think UTSA is just too talented. Um, I, I've got it being a very tight loss as I've got it UTSA 38, UAB 35. So I think, unfortunately, UAB uh, loses this Saturday. But I, I do think the guys play hard. Um, I, I like this score. I like I like how you put it. Um, I hope I'm wrong, though. I hope UAB comes out and you know takes care of business. But I just see it going that way. I actually think this this game hundred percent comes down to coaching. Yeah. So I'm gonna give two two predictions. I'm gonna go with your 38-35, and that's not really me giving a prediction. If you know the even in the clutch moment we see something like last week, you know, um, if we see you know running the clock down, two timeout, that's like that's the Reggie Miller choke. That's yeah. what that is. But if we if we come out here and see Coach Vincent really put leave his stamp on this game, if we see him, you know, he'll have Dylan back. Right. We see him not be predictable, in which I feel like he had he's had moments during this season to where he caught a rhythm with his play calling. Like in Middle Tennessee, he dialed up everything right. And honestly, and during that game, everything wasn't even executed right. Like we missed a couple of shots. Mm-hmm. But we kept on dialing it up the right way. I liked in Charlotte how he switched up the running game. Um, we did a lot of the stretch zone, but they were crashing so hard. So we went to a lot of power schemes, gap, gap schemes, and that, that caught them off guard. Hence why we were able to run the ball better in the second quarter. And then Dylan pulled the ball also. So he's shown the ability to make adjustments. Um. I don't know if the difference is on the road or at home. I don't. I can't really speak to that. Um, but I feel like we win the game if he kind of dial it up like he did in Middle Tennessee. I feel like we have a chance to win it 38-35. Now, that would cause for us to actually do something and not choke up in the clutch. Right. Which I feel like we haven't really seen this year. Um, I do think our guys will be up to play this game. I do think we have the talent to win. I think it's equal talent, to be honest. But I think every um, I think their offensive system, and I think their, I don't know, just their confidence in those clutch moments has really carried them through. It has, and and, and Frank, you know, of course, Frank Harris and those weapons. So, um, we'll we will see. I'm curious to see how. Coach Vincent, I think the guy's going to do their thing, you know, especially if we don't turn the ball over. I believe in our guys. Um, I'm just curious to see how this game is going to be called. Yeah, me too. And that that's going to be the key is how play calling is this Saturday because you know UTSA is going to stack that box just like FAU did, but those those guys up front for UTSA are, in my opinion, better than what we saw at FAU. So. Definitely got that dog in them. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Well, guys, um, we'll be back um, Saturday night to give you a instant reaction to UAB UTSA, and hopefully, you know, soon too, we'll have our basketball preview out. Everybody, all the Blazers, we are all ready for basketball. <laughs> Jelly Walker, yeah, Eric Gaines. I cannot wait, man. Those guys are gonna hopefully do great things and make a deep run into the NCAA tournament this year. 
Um, so getting excited for that, getting excited for Tuesday night's uh, exhibition game against Mississippi College before starting the season the next Monday against Alabama State. But, you know, like I said, we'll be back Saturday night to recap what happens against uh, UTSA, and we'll have a basketball preview coming up soon. But without further ado, we'll go ahead and roll our interview that we had with the Alamo Dome Audible guys. Go Blazers. Go Blazers. Well, welcome back, everybody, to the Blazer Victory Podcast, where Darian and I are pleased to be joined by the guys from the Alamo Dome Audible, Jared Kalmus and Adrian Bermudez. Thank you so much, guys, for just coming on the show this Sunday night. Yes, we are recording on a Sunday night with Monday being Halloween. Everybody's got stuff going on. But Jared, Adrian, thank you so much for just taking some time out this Sunday evening to join us. Yeah, of course. Uh, glad to be back. But now I feel bad that I'm making Adrian record an episode tomorrow on Halloween. <laughs> but at least we'll have, we'll have candy. Right? We'll do it late night when, once yeah. all the kids have cleared out. For sure. For sure. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, well, and, hey, and Adrian, first time on the Blazer Victory podcast. Welcome aboard. You know, we've had Jared on the last couple years, but definitely excited to Get your knowledge and input about the game this Saturday. Yeah, very cool. Very excited to finally be here, man. Pleasure, and I appreciate you having me on as well. Of course. Well, so we've got a game this Saturday afternoon, 2.30, Protector Stadium, as UAB battles UTSA. Um, UTSA coming fresh off of the bye week. UAB coming off another tough road loss um, Uh, in Boca Raton, I know. And honestly, guys, this is one of those episodes It's like – I feel like Darian and I have seen it all this season with this UAB team. Just so frustrated. And, you know, Jared, I know I was wanting to hold this until the end of the episode, but I'm just going to go ahead and ask you. um, What can you say in regards to just some words of encouragement for UAB fans? Because I know you and Adrian, you know, you went through the Frank Wilson years. (laughs) Just give us some words of encouragement that, you know, there's a light at the end of this tunnel. Like, it's just so weird, guys, like seeing this UAB program. I mean, they're just four and four, which most programs have been. I mean, hey, that's solid. But for UAB, it's just it's just not a good year. Like what what what's some words of encouragement that you can give UAB listeners? You know, just being from the UTSA side. First thing I can think of is you, you guys already know that you're getting some relief at the head coaching position in a yeah. couple of weeks. Right. So I think that's a little unique. And I think that might also have something to do with the team's kind of disappointing performance. You know, some of those uh, early losses, you know kind of sneaking into the back half of the conference standings probably hurts the motivation factor for the team and not a position they've been in really since the return. Um, So, you know, I think it's from an emotional standpoint, from a fan standpoint, you can kind of take solace in that. And this job is going to be so attractive to any coach with Southern ties. Um, Mm -hmm. I saw some debate on Twitter about whether a Sunbelt coach would quote unquote move up or move laterally to UAB. And I mean, for me, if I'm Kane Womack at South Alabama, that's a, that's a slam dunk to take the UAB job. Um, so I think there's that aspect of it. But also, this team is just still crazy talented. I mean, uh, I think you guys have been without Dylan Hopkins like the past week or two. And obviously, it's it's hurt the offense, but they're still really competitive with, you know, the rest of Conference USA, even without Hopkins on the field. And Third and lastly, I think UAB is a tough matchup against UTSA and, and their style. Uh, some of the injuries that UTSA has had to deal with this season are, I think, I think detrimental to the style of play that UAB has. Mm. So this game's a pick 'em in Vegas. <laughs> like I, I know it's easy to be down in the dumps if you're a Blazer fan, but this is a this is a big game. It's a big week, and it's anyone's ball game. 
how how long were the Frank Wilson years again? I think it was four? Four, four, years. four. Yeah, it would have been he, he got here in 2016 and we let him go at the end of 2019. So it was four full seasons. So what was it like? Was it just like uh he choked in big games or y'all was just stuck in neutral? Not necessarily. Oh. Frank Wilson's biggest issue was that he wasn't able to develop well, too, I guess. He couldn't develop the talent that he brought to UTSA. He did a hell of a job of bringing talent to UTSA until we won a conference title with was Frank Wilson's recruits. Uh, but he he also had a very, very stubborn way of playing football, and it didn't necessarily cater to players' talents. Uh, he had his style, and regardless of what players were good at doing, he was going to force them into his system of playing football. And uh, yeah, it was it was a little too stubborn. Uh, we couldn't develop talent in the right way. Jared always used the great phrase of sticking a square peg through a round hole, right? It just didn't fit uh, what Frank Wilson was trying to do schematically with the talent that he had on the roster. Uh, I, so I, he just couldn't, couldn't figure I, that out. I feel like... <laughs> I feel like you're talking about us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna touch that subject anymore. It's just, I, 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 man, I almost passed out over here. It's just, it was, I was having flashbacks of these these couple of games we just went through. So, yeah, I'm gonna let John take it. I gotta recover from that. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, I'll say this, man. I'm, I'm looking at the stats for QB and and how the hell does Trey Shropshire only have 18 catches this year? Mm. Oh. <sighs> Duh. We can move man, on. We can move on. It's, it's super. <laughs> it's super frustrating. Like I just, whether that's play calling, that's you know being a knucklehead and being suspended for a game, getting sick. Like it's it's just been a weird year, man. I mean, we could go on for a couple hours if you want to, but we're we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. But uh, so let's talk about this UTSA team. Obviously, you know, coming fresh off of a bye week, coming off of a an emotional roller coaster of a game against rival uh, North Texas, uh, and which I learned on the last episode of uh, the Alamo Dome Audible that it was the Battle of the Birds. Is that correct? <laughs> what, a, mm. what, a, what a weird, or, or as Adrian said, whack name uh, for a rivalry, <laughs> which I which I do agree. Um, you know, but, I, I saw someone's call Rice in UTSA the Battle of the Birds this week too. So obviously it's a bad name if you can use it for two different like yeah. local quote unquote rivals. You know. Aresco and they, yeah, they need to get on that and uh, yeah. we need we need some branding on that one. So obviously, you know, UTSA very talented team again this year. Uh, you're coming in. UTSA is coming in with a six and two overall record, um, with just you know losses against Texas and Houston before knowing conference play. And what do you guys attribute just this fast start? in conference play like it, it just is it just jeff trailer just picking off where you know him and frank harris left off last year i mean i knew utsa was going to be good again but i thought there might be just a slight drop off you know losing a very talented running back is sincere mccormick but i mean it just seems like the roadrunners just keep trucking along I think you could argue there's been uh, some struggles this season on the field for the Roadrunners. We've had our our mishaps, right? But the the bottom of the, the at the end of the day, the bottom line is this offensive output is just ridiculous. The offensive talent on this team is just ridiculous. And Frank Harris doing it through the air. He's won four Conference USA Players of the Week already, and he, he he's he's throwing the ball better than he ever has. And there's only been a couple of games where he's had a few misses. And then you, you come 
couple of the the receiving core that he has to throw to between our three star wideouts, uh, Zachary Franklin, Josh Cephas, JT Clark. You top on uh, Oscar Cardenas and tied in 285 pounds, catching balls with one hand and uh, getting yards after the catch on top of that. It's it's just it's it's crazy potency on offense. Uh, and and we thought that it was all passing game. We didn't have much. You talk about losing to C. McCormick. We thought we didn't have much of a ground attack to lean on. But the North Texas game proved otherwise. Mm-hmm. So we really, really sort of found our stride with the one-two punch of Brendan Brady and Kavorian Barnes. Uh, who's really going to be the the face of Roadrunners rushing for the next probably four or five seasons, Kavorian Barnes. Uh, so, yeah, the guy's just been uh, phenomenal. But him and Brendan Brady are one-two punch that over the last two, three weeks have really separated themselves uh, for the rest of the running back room. Uh, they are lethal together. So, I mean, yeah, it's just the, it's the offensive firepower, man. It's just crazy. And uh, we haven't even talked about the defense yet, but the, 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 the defense is tremendous as well in its own regard. Maybe I'll let Jared hit on the defense. Yeah, sure thing. And I think another thing, too, in a general sense I'll add on, too, is I, I think the really challenging start to the season, schedule-wise, prepared UTSA for conference play. Um, they had a yeah, brutal, stretch. brutal start to the season. Yeah, it was like Houston. And, you know, like Houston, I guess, they're still in the hunt for the American Championship, but they had quite, haven't quite been as good as we expected. But going into that game, I mean, they, they were the favorite for the New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, that went in triple mm-hmm. over time. UTSA lost that by one play. And then you got Army on the road in New York, uh, second longest road trip in UTSA football history. Took that one in overtime. Um, and then you play a pretty good UT team um, that, you know, UTSA hung around with, right? So I yeah. think taking the punches there, and, you know, obviously they had a lot of injuries coming out of those, but it just got them ready for conference play. And I think it helped them kind of weather adversity um, through the start of conference play. Uh, but I don't know what Adrian said. I mean, I, I think like senior leadership is really the big thing for UTSA. Um, I think a lot of people that don't know the roster quite as closely as, you know, some of the fans said, oh, well, UTSA had all the super seniors. So they're going to be a young team next year. And they're going to lose a lot of production and all of that. And like, yeah, there's some truth to that. Uh, but you look at the roster right now. And, I mean, it, it is very senior laden. A lot mm-hmm. of returning producers that have kind of stabilized this team. Uh, even with the losses in here and, you know, some key guys at like Clarence Hicks and, and Leroy Watson and stuff like that. So I think it's a combination of that as well as like the recruiting for UTSA has really paid off. You know, like there have been positions where UTSA is down to the third, fourth, even fifth string due to injuries. And those guys are playing great football. So I think that's um, another thing that we're starting to see is that some of Jeff Trailer's recruits are starting to play now. Uh, with Frank Wilson's guys getting cycled out. And, you know, for the most part, I think they're living up to their expectations given how young they are. Um, call it a key, some key things on the defense. I, I think the cornerback play has been phenomenal and, and kind of under the radar for UTSA. Uh, they brought in a guy named Nick Troy Fortune, who was, a, uh, I think, a two-year starter at West Virginia. Um, and he had some injury trouble last year, wanted a fresh start. And uh, he's been a, a real lockdown corner for UTSA this year. He's, he's been a big difference maker. Uh, and then Corey Mayfield is kind of uh, taking it to the next level, uh, kind of, you know, challenging fortune for, uh, you know, top bidding at the cornerback position. So they've been really good, and that's helped UTSA a lot. Uh, they've had a redshirt freshman, Trey Moore, kind of break out this season. Uh, he's been so good as a freshman that they kind of had to change some personnel around to make sure he can stay on the field bunker, uh, which I feel like is pretty rare to see for a redshirt freshman on a, on a pretty mature and, and senior-led senior led defense. 
but I guess on, on a negative sense, uh, you guys might have heard Rashad Wisdom's out for the year at Safety. Yes. Mm. Yeah, so that was a huge loss. Uh, I think Kalechi and Wachuku is the backup. He played pretty well at strong safety um, against North Texas, backing up Wisdom. Uh, but I think now that the word is out that, uh, you know, Kalechi is going to be the starter going forward, I, I think you're going to see more teams target him in the passing game and, and challenge him on those deep routes. And that was what I was going to ask, Jared, is like, who is going to step up for, you know, since Wisdom's out for the year? So, but I believe you just answered that. Um, but yeah, so, so why don't you be the starter? But I think Ken Robinson might actually end up working his way into the starting role down the stretch. Um, he has had limited snaps this year. I don't really know why, because he's looked really impressive when he's on the field. And uh, he was like a two, three year starter cornerback for UTSA. So I think you're going to see a pretty good amount of him. Maybe not so much against UAB and the power rushing attack, because you know he's a he's a cornerback physically. Uh, but I think he'll probably see him more against losing attack and and maybe even UTEP down the stretch. Well, in this team, um, you guys just seem to like come up with timely plays. It's like a certain confidence. I feel like you guys exude um, when you pl- when you play um, in in big time moments. It just seemed like. Every time you guys come up clutch, is it what do you guys uh, think the reason is for that? Is it because of does that flow from Coach Trailer? Because it's the exact opposite with us. We get in these moments when we can win these games and we are in position, but I don't have confidence in the team. Um, this year I haven't. What do you think is the biggest difference? What's what's the reason for that? One of the biggest things is. Jared talks about the experience on this team. It's it's the rhythm, right? It's the familiarity with each other. These guys have been playing so many games, so many snaps with one another over the course of four years now that it's it's automatic. They know where they're going to be. Uh, they have this trust in one another that is, I mean, you, you can't get that from a, a team that's only playing in their first or second year together. That chemistry just doesn't exist yet. But they've got a really, really deep chemistry just based off of experience um, in, in, in the seniority as is. And then these one-possession games, we've been in a hell of a lot of them. Jeff Trailer, almost every single game that he's coached in for – for UTSA seems to come down to one possession. I'm not sure what the exact numbers are, but it's an overwhelming majority of our contests come down to one possession ball games. So there's there's a lot of comfort in these situations just based off the fact that we always seem to be in them. Um, and, 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 and I will give Jeff Trailer a hell of a lot of credit as well uh, uh, when we talk about the culture um, and being able to, to execute in those moments. Yeah, I, I think a lot of that has to do with 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 coaching and and, and what that sideline has done. But mainly, I, I really think it comes down to chemistry and familiarity with each other on the field. Darian, I do you think you're onto something talking about Coach Trailer because I think one of the biggest compliments I can give Coach Trailer through his time at UTSA is he doesn't coach scared. And I think that mm. rubs off on his players. I think he's been in a lot of positions where – 90% of coaches would punt. He goes forward on fourth down in negative mm. position. Mm. Uh, you know, like looking back at North Texas last week, he could have let UNT score, saved his timeouts, and then had an easier march down the field on offense, you know, in that last drive. And, you know, he believed in his players that they could get that stop at the goal line. And it ended up, you know, not working out that drive. But when they got the ball back on offense, they still found a way to score it and, and get the win. Uh, but I just think it shows he's got a lot of faith in his players, and, and they reward him for that. Uh, the other thing I'd point out, too, is UTSA rotates more players than most schools in the country. Um, if you go look at, like, pro football focus, like, the snap counts on defense, like, they play, like, 30 guys 
and a regular like non blowout regular game. They play thirty guys on defense, so I think it keeps them fresher into the fourth quarter. So then when like when clutch time comes, their best players are better rested than their opponents. Hey Darian, you remember a, a game in the Alamo Dome last year when it came down to fourth and short? <laughs> I, I knew it was going to come up. They had some bad flashbacks, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, I, I didn't mean to trigger you guys. That was not intentional. <laughs> uh, of course. <laughs> um, well, just s- sticking with this UTSA defense, it you you look at two weeks ago, um, the North Texas, you know, coming into the Alamo Dome, obviously one of the best rushing i mean along with you be one of the rush most our best rushing attacks in conference usa and utsa just shut them down i mean limiting them to just 22 rushing yards on 21 rush attempts i mean was that was that just utsa just in in your guys opinion was it just like loading the box up or was it more of like a, a scheme that utsa did to kind of force north to texas to kind of do some things that they weren't used to doing with with awning like what what do you guys attribute that to them boys just got that dog in them that's all <laughs> right yeah, <laughs> yeah. can't answer better than that um <laughs> i mean yeah i think utsa was like more aggressive against the run like if you go back and watch the film like they fire off the ball like full full head of steam as soon as it snapped right they're not worried like oh this guy might release on a play action right i better stick with them and make sure he doesn't go so it's not like they were stacking the box. Like, they were still playing with high safeties and stuff. Uh, but they were just really getting after it. And I think they were just trying to get to Ani and get into the backfield so fast that, like, it was going to disrupt the play. And we saw that happen repeatedly against North Texas. Uh, I don't know if UTSA just had a different level of team speed that UNT hadn't really seen this year or not. Uh, but I think that was a big thing. And I think from a personnel standpoint, uh, they had a change where they moved uh, Ronald Triplett, who was a defensive end. He's a transfer from Kansas State. Didn't see the field a whole lot because UTSA is pretty stacked that position. And they moved him to outside linebacker. And like with his size and his strength, he like blew up a lot of plays, just like taking on blockers. And it kind of like muddled up the backfield a little bit. And I think that was a pretty smart and savvy move uh, from defensive coordinator just left that had a big impact on the game. It, it seemed to throw UNT's rhythm off having like a 260-pound uh, linebacker out there just <laughs> kind of throwing shoulders and throwing boys around. Right. And, I mean, you know, coming off of what we just saw Saturday, it seems FAU ran a lot of 5-2 front yeah. and just kind of basically dared UAB to throw it. So definitely kind of expect UTSA to do the same thing yeah. um, come this Saturday in Birmingham. Um, kind of switching over to the offensive side of the ball. Can can you guys tell us what's up with this offensive line and what is going on with all these injuries? Like, mm-hmm. what? Like, I, I guess I'm just trying to wrap my head around. Like, I've never seen so many injuries on an offensive line. Like, what's going on there? <laughs> That's a million dollar question, right? <laughs> it is. Yeah, well, probably more, more than a million. <laughs> yeah, I think Jeff. I think Jeff would pay more than a million if he could get the answer. <laughs> Well, I guess what what can UAB what what's going to be the starting five that that you guys think like is it going to be pretty much what we saw in the North Texas game or what what can UAB fans expect to see and how and how many injuries what 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 are we talking about here because you know I can, I'm, uh, I can give I'm just the average I'm the average UAB listener I'm like what are they talking about like oh how many we how many y'all got. All and right, real, so. hey, real real quick plug, UAB fans, check out the Alamo Dome Audible. You can follow <laughs> them on Twitter at Alamo Audible. Listen to them on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, pretty much 
wherever you're listening to Blazer Victory, check the guys out. They do a great job. And that, that's the only reason I know is because I listen to them a, a good bit on Apple Podcasts. Uh, thank you, John. Uh, I'll try to go through every injury on the offensive line. <laughs> it's it's pretty wild. Uh, so I think first and foremost, um, Makai Hart was returning, like, honorable mention, uh, all-conference right tackle. He got hurt in, I think, like the third play of the season – came back like three weeks later and then got hurt on like the sixth play of that game. So he's played like nine snaps this year. He's out for the year. Huge loss. Uh, that game where he came back, uh, I can't remember what game it was. I mean, he dominated until he got hurt. And it was like, man, you could really see the offense flourish when he was on the field. So that was like the first big hit, right? Um, then they had to move this 19-year-old Juco transfer, Vinley Tadafu, out to left tackle because they had to shuffle the line when Hart went down. Uh, he's played well, but he's been banged up as well. He actually finished the game last week at guard, which is where he was supposed to play. Um, Demetrius Allen was the guy who was kind of the favorite to start at left tackle coming in the season. He's out for the year. He hasn't really played much at all. Uh, Ernesto Almaraz just came back last week. Or sorry, week before last. I forgot about the bye week. Um, he had been out all season until that game. Um Terrell Haynes has been banged up quite a bit. I think he's still started every game. But he's had to come out of several due to injury. Um, there's a, oh, uh, there's a, a Northwestern transfer. Payne Hebert was a guy that was expected to compete for the starting mm. job of left tackle. He hasn't played a snap yet. He might come back this week. I feel like it's unlikely, but that was the target they had set for him to come back for UAB. Uh, Adrian, did I miss anyone? No, I feel like that was the last one. So pretty much they've had to like just shuffle the offensive line, not just every week, but within each game, they're moving guys all over the lineup. And it's it's insane that this offense is as productive as it is, because I don't think there's many teams in America that could put up like 36 points per game or whatever YouTube is averaging with this insane rash of injuries. I mean, they have like a true sophomore walk on playing right tackle most games. Uh, they have a converted defensive tackle starting a left tackle the past two games. Mm-hmm. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, like we said earlier, there's there's no simple solution uh, or answer to the injury problem on the offensive line. But I think it's a combination of some guys being overweight. I think like lack, lack of flexibility and mobility in the ankles and joints. Maybe guys being overworked. I don't know. But it's definitely something that, you know, Jeff Trailer's been pretty open and honest about that, like, they're, they're going to have to look for answers in the offseason because this this is not just bad luck at this point. Like, there's got to be something systematic to to cause this many injuries at one position unit. Has offensive line play been able to be remain good even with all of those injuries? I think so. I mean, for, yeah, for what it is, I think you have to say so. Like, given the circumstance, I think they've been pretty solid. Of course, they've had to change the playbook a little bit. they got to get the ball out quicker because, I mean, you can't expect a converted defensive tackle to to lock up an edge rusher for five seconds, right? But, I mean, I, like, they're still running the ball decently well these past couple of weeks with the line being as banged up. Um, I just think, like, there's a lot – there's a, like, there's a lower ceiling, right? Like, they don't have the super athletic – uh, tackles with a lot of experience like they did or like they expected to coming the season. So I think it's kind of lowered um, the potential there, but they've held up pretty well for sure. There's been some games where it got pretty ugly, uh, but down the stretch, I think they did a good job coaching the guys up and offensive line coach Matt Maddox has just been phenomenal. Deserves a massive raise after this season. <laughs> right. Just for this team to get to a bowl, right. you know, after all these races <laughs> is pretty yeah. miraculous. Yeah. Yeah, to answer it differently, and not to gas the team too hard, but if the offensive line was fully 100% healthy, 
would be steam rolling through people. It'd be insane. But yeah. this offensive line has held its own. Right, and, I, and I, I'm a former offensive lineman that played at UAB, so I know how important it is for continuity. It's, and then, the, honestly, the talent in, a, on office, in the offensive line room, it is a steep drop-off. Um, mm-hmm. So I do commend you guys for being able to just keep the train rolling. That's That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, to be able to pluck a defense alignment and within the moments of a game to be able to kind of hurry up and coach him up and tell him what to do like that, that says a lot about that offensive line coach. Yeah, and um, he did not say. he did not play offensive line in high school either. Like when oh, they moved wow. him, I was like, oh, surely he played, you know, something. But I think he played a little bit of tight end. So I guess he had like some little fundamental work, you know, setting the edge and stuff. But mm-hmm. I'll tell you this much. Walker Beatty has been so good at offensive tackle. He ain't going back to defense, brother. He, he's right. stuck there. He's he's always making jokes, you know, like offensive linemen are, are dumb. They're ugly or whatever. I don't want to be in <laughs> offense. Uh, he's played too well, man. I think he, he's found a home there. And he's going to get a lot more playing time in the future uh, at offensive line than he would at UTSA's pretty stacked defensive line position. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, I think what helps that offensive line, too, is having a quarterback like Frank Harris that can just work magic, you know, just scrambling around and just putting the ball where it needs to be. And for, you know, UTSA fans listening, I mean, this is going to be only Frank Harris's second game against UAB. You know, he's been there, what, four years now? And this is on his second time playing UAB. Mm-hmm. And UAB fans definitely know what he's capable of after last year's game. But, I mean – 2,500 yards, 17 touchdowns, and that's just passing, too. Like, you look at five rushing touchdowns. Can, can you guys just talk a little bit about what Frank Harris has meant to this UTSA program? Well, you kind of alluded to it there, uh, and something definitely worth mentioning, but he's done a tremendous job of covering up a lot of the holes that this offensive line has probably left on this team. But a collapsing pocket is no issue for Frank Harris. I mean, he evades it. He gets out of there. He can throw the ball on the run. He can keep looking for his options. Uh, he can just take off and scramble all together, pick you up a first down with his feet. I mean, the guy is so dynamic, it's ridiculous. And uh, 69% uh, 69 is his uh, completion percentage. It is ridiculous. Uh, the guy, is he's been really been more automatic than, than he ever has. And, and last year, he kind of had that automatic tendency to him. Uh, but this year, he's he's willed the team even more so than he did last year. Uh, it really, you you see the team live and die by by Frank Harris and the, the, the way he's able to, to will this offense to victory whenever in these one-possession games or whenever in just uh, really, really tight sequences. I mean, the guy refuses to slide almost to a fault, but you'll see him <laughs> drop his shoulder and just take on a tackler straight up. Uh, there's there's a grit to it that that really the team feeds off of. Man, and 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 so you watch him, and you see him take, you see him do these dynamic things. You see him do these really tough, hard plays, uh, and and go through these sequences, and and you see the offense really feed off of it and sort of get better as the game goes on because Frank wills it, and uh, man, he's he's just an incredible captain. Uh, UTSA is going to be so so sad whenever he whenever he's gone whenever we miss him next season or the following whenever he decides to leave uh but we're really and truly blessed to have a captain and a quarterback like frank harris the, this this program changed forever the day he committed to utsa mm. I, th- I think if you were to make a, a top 10 list of defining moments in, in utsa football history frank harris's commitment has got to be somewhere in that top 10 I mean, mm. he's he's just completely changed the game for utsa it's it's been so fun to watch and follow him 
He's a junior this year, this year, right? He's senior, I think. He's a senior. Or... He's a he's a senior, not exactly a super senior. He still has a year left of eligibility. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's yeah. the simplest way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Are we looking at a, a legit NFL starter here? What do you guys think? I mean, it's his height that's uh, the sort of the Achilles heel. He doesn't quite have the size, I don't think, to go NFL automatic. Uh, but hey, the XFL is coming out, and I and San Antonio is getting a team. I, I do think Frank Harris could have uh, potential to make money playing football professionally, one way or the other. I, I think XFL might be a better destination for him. I could see him getting some like practice squad run in the NFL. I don't know if he has the arm strength really to to be a legitimate starter at, at the next level. But this guy's proven me and so many people wrong so many times. I, I cannot count him out, right? Uh, but he doesn't have that traditional, like, pocket passer, NFL, you know, arm strength. But we are right. trying to see that change a little bit in the NFL. So, you know, maybe with the right system, he'd, he'd be a better fit and have a chance to to break through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I mean, he's definitely had some weapons to throw the ball to these last couple of years. And especially this year, you know, DeCorian Clark, uh, Joshua Cephas, and Zachary Franklin. Um I mean, those mm-hmm. those guys are some studs too. I mean, mm-hmm. it's got to help to have those talented wide receivers. And, and hey, and Cardenas too. You know, Adrian mentioned him earlier, and yep. UAB fans certainly know the name too from last year. So definitely helps to have those guys uh, to be able to catch the ball and 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 in, in crucial points in the game too. Like what Darian was saying, it's always if you're if you're turning on a UTSA game on TV, well on stadium or wherever it is. <laughs> You know, you can always expect something crazy to happen, and most of the time it does go in UTSA's favor, which is uh, pretty cool to watch as long as you're not on the other side of the uh, uh, of the game. But, guys, you know, we're going on about 30 minutes. I just have one more final question. Um, I know guys tune into the Elmadome Audible to hear um, their official predictions uh, later in the week, but if UAB – UAB upsets UTSA if blank happens. And in turn, hmm. UTSA takes care of business against UAB if blank happens. Could you guys answer that? I guess I'll go first. Uh, I think UAB upsets UTSA if they play like their back is against the wall. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I, I think it'd be easy for them to kind of lay down on, on an interim coach. Like, you're more or less... Um, disqualified from conference championship, you know, eligibility. Right. Right. Uh, but if they play like, Hey, you know, we, we want to make sure we get to a bowl game and, you know, we, we want to send, uh, you know, send, send out the interim coach in the right way. Right. And then they just play like, we just really want to be UTSA. Like they have the talent to do so. Right. I, I think UTSA for as good as they've been, it's been close, right? They have been pretty beatable this year. I don't think that's debatable. And they're kind of getting by on the skin of their teeth, right? So if they come out and they, they get out to a lead against UTSA, I could definitely see them pulling the upset. I don't think that's anything that's hard to imagine. Uh, on the other side of the coin, I think UTSA takes care of business if they can hold Debo under 150 yards, give or take. Um, I think the secondary is going to be okay, right? Um, but if you know, if McBride runs for, you know, 200 plus or whatever, hmm. uh, you know, UTSA tackled pretty well in the North Texas game, but they've, they've been struggling with it this season. So those broken tackles can really lead to some racked up yardage and get this game really tight. And I, I you know, if, if they're able to prevent that, I think UTSA would be okay. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I think there's definitely a, a world where UAV can will a win out of this. Look, UTSA's had a lot of scary moments, uh, even though they've got only two in the loss column. There's been a, a lot of back and forth in between these games. Uh, I, yeah, I, so, so I will say it's it's certainly within the realm of possibility for UAB to come out here and will one. Uh, it's going to take a monster game for Dwayne McBride. I think Dwayne McBride goes over 200 yards. There's a big chance UAB can come out here with an upset. Yeah. Um, for what it's worth, I think this one is going to be interesting because we're not on the road. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like, if this was in the Alamo, if I this was in the Alamo it, Dome, yeah. we lose by fourteen plus this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I don't know what why it's been like that this year. It just has. Um, so and then of course the second biggest thing is, you know, hopefully we have Dylan back. And he was he was starting to come into his own. Um but I I, I failed for the Dwayne McBride big yardage game too many times to know that Debo can have 200 yards and three fumbles. Yeah, yep. No, so, true. so yeah, I, I do think uh, it's, it's going to be it's going to be a fun game to see because um, you know we are, we are a very talented team, a stacked team. I just um, I'm just wondering how coach will put us in position. That's what yeah. I'm. Well, I, that's for some reassurance, UTSA has been pretty miserable at forcing turnovers this year, so. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see if they're able to cause some fumbles. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hold my breath as a UTSA fan. <laughs> well, Adrian, Jared, thank you guys so much for just you know taking some time to hang out with us and come on the Blazer Victory Podcast, guys. If you are not following the Alamo Dome Audible on Twitter, give them a follow at Alamo Audible and give Jared and Adrian a follow. You can follow Jared at Jared UTSA and Adrian at Alamo Adrian underscore. But guys, it's been a pleasure. Uh, good luck the rest of the season. I'm sure we have plenty more battles to come in the AAC. And hey, I I really see a rivalry developing. I mean, I know we're so far away, you know, San Antonio, Birmingham. But hey, if we get another crazy game like we did last year, like I could see something develop between these two programs. Yeah, I think rivalries have kind of changed their their construction a little bit in this day and age of like these conferences being so spread out. Um, so I, I think they're like, that's a real thing. Like I, I think UCF and Memphis is a great example of like, they really went yes. to the wire so many games for so many years in the AAC. Uh, so I can totally see that happening with UTSA and UAB where it's, it's maybe not like a hate rivalry. Like I want to crush those guys and I hate every person that goes to school there kind of deal, but more of like a mutual respect and like the fans just get really excited for those games and, and show up and root for their respective programs and, and, you know, drive some attendance out, make sure those games are on TV, that kind of stuff. Yeah. That, that makes total sense to me. And you said on TV too. I cannot on wait. TV. <laughs> yes, <laughs> on TV. Yes. ESPN. Hey, if it's ESPN News or ESPNU, we'll take that over. Oh, yeah. Stadium <laughs> ESPN or Facebook. News. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Darren, you want to close us out, buddy? Uh, I mean, we could. Let's ride, I guess. We'll see. <laughs>